Hello and welcome to the Summoning Circle trying to manifest the live-action debut of A-Wing pilot and rebel hero Will Lark in the Ahsoka series. I'm Luke. I'm Matt. And I'm Max. And this is Force for Thought. So today we are here to talk about the differences, pros, and cons of practical effects and digital effects. This is a hot-button topic in the Star Wars community because the original trilogy obviously came out in the 70s and 80s had a phenomenal amount of practical effects it was some of the best practical effects that we've ever seen in cinema and then the prequels came out in the late 90s and early 2000s had a phenomenal amount of digital effects and there was varying degrees of fan acceptance and praise for them different effects had different styles and different praises for them and then the sequels came out in the last you know 10 years roughly and they are now in a place to be able to blend these digital and practical effects and I personally have had a lot of struggles with the rejection of such digital effects and other people have had issues with the acceptance of digital effects so I will just get right into it broad strokes I think (laughs) I think that practical effects are overrated. I think that digital effects are to a place in 2023 where they can be almost replaced entirely for the better. I get that there are cost limitations and, you know, computer skill limitations. But when people say things that I keep hearing, like, you know, the prequels were too reliant on computer technology and the sequels did better by having more practical effects and I hope Star Wars keeps going that way. I that that drives me up a wall because Star Wars does not need to just replicate the original trilogy aesthetic until the end of time. As technology improves, we can improve the look of Star Wars with it with more digital effects and I think the fandom as a whole and certain people on this podcast are just a lot slower to accept that than I would like. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> So tipping that hand, I mean, I don't have, I don't, I don't want to get too much into it yet, I guess, but I think um, I do prefer practical effects over. I see, it's not even prefer. To me, I think they work in harmony together. I am a big fan. I think of just like keeping something alive um, that works really well, that has a craft to it. Um, but I, I, I don't have anything against CGI. I think it can get really busy and really crowded. Even though I love like the new Spider-Man. Nope, it's not even the new one. It's. Uh, Far from home, like with all those like bots and droids and stuff, it just it can be too crowded too quick. Um, just kind of like that that little mess, right? But I think they work both. They work best in harmony, I think. But I mean, I, I yeah, I like both. I like both a lot. But I'm interested in what Max's opinion is as well, because obviously you're more CG, I'm more practical. But I have nothing wrong with CG. But Maxwell, where do you stand? So uh, I'm just gonna kind of jump right in with a couple examples because I I go back and forth. I don't mind sure. uh, practical effects or CGI. I think just do with whatever is. I'm gonna use the word practical, which is gonna be confusing. Do whatever's yeah, more please, practical. Please try Look up synonyms. <laughs> what are some synonyms? <laughs> and and there's a lot of examples that I always think of from The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker is one that really bothers me. In mm-hmm. the behind the scenes, when they're doing uh, that giant serpent uh, that Ray heals in the, the sinking pits or whatever it's called, they went through all the trouble of making that serpent live action just so that the cast can have something to like interact with and yep. touch and lighting and all that stuff. And then they completely did it in CGI and post anyway. Yeah. And I, I, all I can think of is from a logistical standpoint, like how much time was put into that? How many men helped make that? What was the cost of that? Just so that yeah. the cast could have something to interact with. I'm like, that just does not seem, that does not seem practical at all. Like make that, just make that in CGI. Like, there, there's got to be a better way of doing that. But and then, um, well, uh, I want I want to talk about that more because that seems like less of a practical versus digital argument and more of just an acting thing. Like, are your mm-hmm. actors not good enough to like genuinely act like there's a giant serpent there? They have to actually see one because the same thing came up with in the Force Awakens. J.J. Abrams brought in not real guns, but like the guns that the stormtroopers were using yeah. were practical in the sense that like they actually had kickback when yeah, they, they like, like pulled CO2 the trigger canisters or yeah. whatever so that when they pulled the trigger there was like an actual kickback and 
that just seems like an actor problem, not like a digital effects problem. Like, if your actors can't act like they're using a real gun without getting a real gun, get better actors. Like, this is their job to pretend that they're using this thing, you know? To, to a certain degree, you're right. I, I think, like, those very, very small things, right? Like, having the serpent that you can react to. Because and the reason I think that that's so silly is, like, how are you supposed to react to that serpent in that scene? You know, like, mm -hmm. that's not, like, a normal thing to react to, as opposed to, like, your surroundings. And that's why I don't have, like, any problem with the volume or anything like that. I think that's a, a wonderful invention that the actors can actually see, like, the CGI background, essentially, all around them, instead of standing in just a giant green room and having, like, to imagine what's around them. So, like, something like that, like, I totally understand, and I think that could be a huge benefit to the actors, um, like, seeing all that. But there are some practical effects, like the serpent or, like, yeah, like the blasters, where it's like, does that need to be practical? Can't you just, like, have your actors be a little bit better with, like, kind of shaking a little bit every time you pull the trigger and just, you know. Right. I think that's pew, pew. super rad, though. But I think the, the serpent, zero idea why they would actually build it. I mean, I remember that, that featurette as well. Do they talk about the intention of using that serpent and then after they filmed it we're like no no no, we gotta do cg or was it with the intention of using it because i don't remember that because that is a weird thing right because i understand like actors interacting with something um i mean that's insanely hard we all saw ian mckellen cry right with the hobbit stuff and how far before basically he, he fell from again that's an actor thing not a practical or digital effects thing yeah, I, know, I guess that's true, but I think, it, I think Ian McKellen specifically is a weird one, right, where he's like a theater actor, he's a classically trained, and so I think that's one of those things where you have these expectations um, of acting, and the, the whole acting thing is reacting, but um, it's hard to react to things that aren't there, and so I think the basis of acting, when you, I, I don't know basically nothing about acting, I'm a terrible actor, Acts, you can ask Max, you can probably just uh, see from any of the videos we filmed in college, but um, if, if acting is reacting, it's really hard for that core seed of the idea to do something without anything there. And I think for somebody like Ian McKellen in, in like the Hobbit series versus Lord of the Rings is probably incredibly hard uh, to go through. But I don't, I don't know... I don't know about that serpent. That's super weird as well. <laughs> as well, if acting is reacting, which I've heard that also, then yeah. the craft just needs to evolve as technology evolves, and maybe it's less reacting now and more imagining what your surroundings are like. You know, I I don't see why we have to limit the possibilities that digital effects brings us just to handhold these actors that aren't able to imagine the situations that they're supposed to be acting in anyway. Because I think things are worth preserving. I think that's a that's. Oh, a, think, we're gonna talk about legacy. No, Here we go. Yeah, it's and I think not even legacy. I just think things worth are worth preserving, and, and and things are certain art forms, and that's the same thing. Where I like, I love miniatures, and I love stop motion. Whether that's you know in Star Wars or or not. No, I mean, I don't think necessarily that should be in Star Wars now, but um, I I love like and before Christmas and stuff because there's always like easier way to do things. But there's something about I think preserving like 35 millimeter film and like 75 millimeter 70 millimeter film like going to see like those christopher nolan movies is like a fun event because that's like something you can't really do because the most like 99.9 percent .9 of movies or filmmakers don't shoot their stuff on film and because it, it is insanely expensive right and it's a rarity that it's that it's done um but I, I don't know i think that stuff is like worth preserving and i think there's a craft to it as well i look at this is a very kind of inside baseball in the weeds but like I'm looking at Adobe Premiere, like the editing software that we edit this very podcast on, um, which you probably should use Audition or something too, but I like Premiere. <laughs> and so in Premiere, there's this new, these new tools where um, it basically makes it easier for content creators. But I don't want those tools, right? Because you never trust a program to make what you want, right? It's like AI writing a script or something too. There's just like that human error in it or like that human ability to be able to uh, craft something yourself and just make something completely new. If you're going through, um, you know, it's basically like if you're putting in an uncolored footage, like when we film, if we ever film this in like um, in raw footage, it'll come out completely flat and uncolored, right? And so if you put it, that clip into Premiere, it'll automatically color it for you because that's what content creators basically want. And the fact that it basically just makes it easy and quick. Um, and that's not saying CG is easy and quick. That's a super complicated art form as well, which I hope also never goes away because it is incredibly hard and incredibly artful as well. Um, but then you, it takes away what you want, right? So if we, if I put it into Premiere, you have to like uncolor it basically, which you have to undo that setting, which is coming, becoming consumer grade, which is, which is totally fine. Cause I think people being able to do more creative things 
is exactly the point, right? It's exactly why we were able to do this podcast. Probably like 15 years ago, we were there's no way we would be able to do it. But now anybody with a smartphone can basically do a podcast. Um, and now we have mics stolen from a, a church, basically, <laughs> thanks to Maxwell's uh, uh, teenage angst. But it I was think a, it was a Catholic school. Catholic school. Okay, a little better, I guess, a little <laughs> better. Um, you paid for these. It was in your tuition. But yeah, no, I think ultimately things are worth. I think it, things are worth preserving, and then there's a lot to learn from the past, right? I think, I mean, it's not the newer is better, and newer can definitely be better, and older doesn't have to be, um, I mean, I'm all for changing things, because I don't think anything works forever, right? But I also think there it's worth preserving, those seeds and those nuggets are worth preserving to go on. I know I'm going on a bit of a rant, and I feel like there's no really end in sight to it, so I'm going to end right now. I Go ahead. Well, I, I feel like there's still... Um like, I feel like a lot of what you're talking about is, like, the art form behind it, right? And I agree yeah. with that. But I think there's also, like, a time and place. I think there I are agree. a lot of uses of practical effects that should be CG and a lot of uses of CG that should probably just be practical. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think a lot of the examples are whenever it's anything alive, if it's an alien or some sort of creature and it's a practical effect, you, you can tell. Yeah. And it's because, yeah, it looks real. And I think this is something that Luke is going to talk about, but it's like it, it looks real because it is real, but it doesn't look it doesn't look real like it doesn't act real. Yeah, that, like the way it phrase is the bane of my existence. Mm -hmm. It looks real because it is real. People love saying that about all kinds of effects in Hollywood, uh, you know, explosions. I, I see it about every movie with the coolest practical effect. Oh, yeah, it looks real because it is real because they made it with practical effects. And that's so great. It's not that it looks real in the movie it's that it looks real outside of the movie like mm -hmm. let's talk about grogu for example grogu is a fantastic effect mostly done practical they do a lot of blending with the digital and practical but season one of the mandalorian he was mostly practical and he was mostly in his pod or being held yep. and he looked phenomenal and as the series goes on and grogu evolves he starts walking around and doing backflips and he looks terrible doing yeah. these things because he's a practical puppet and it yeah. looks like someone just threw a rock across the frame. It's goofy. 1,000% agree. I was going to say something real quick because I feel like I'm getting off to a really weird start because I do have hard opinions and I feel like I'm kind of going in soft. But I think CG versus practical is whatever serves the story. And you are 1,000% right is that they, for some reason, stuck to their guns on practical even though it did not serve the story. <laughs> they needed to CG Grogu being able to do almost – I mean – he, you're right. You said he, he feels like they threw a rock across the screen, and that's maybe the best comparison because there's no motion. It's just no. He has <laughs> feet but no legs, and yeah. it's obvious. No, I 1,000% agree. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the the basis. I think is if if it serves the story, that's the best to go. Right. If it if whether it's animation or whether it's practical, it's like if it, it heightens an emotion and if it serves the story, I think that's the way to go. Um, another example I like to talk about is Yoda. Yoda in the original trilogy, he looks great. He looks like a great puppet. I cannot imagine they could have made a better looking puppet for Yoda. They could not have acted a better puppet for Yoda. But CG Yoda looks a thousand times better because Yoda is such a active character. His you know facial expressions and his talking. It, if a character is ever going to talk, it has to be at least in part digital. Like, look at the Nemoidians in The Phantom Menace. Newt Gunray mm -hmm. and Rune Hako. Yeah. When they talk, it looks they like... They don't even match up with their words. No, not even close. It looks like a four-year-old doing a puppet show. That is the same thing with... Uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Nick Nolte's character in Mandalorian Season 1. Quill. Yes. 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 Yep. Yep. And, and that got so much praise for doing it practically, and it should not have been a... Yeah. That should not have been a practical character. That is character. something that... The whole thing could be practical, except just green screen the mouth, and then use his mouth to be able to to talk differently. Because I think it's a really cool puppet. It's a really cool uh, face and stuff, too. But it's, like, well, again, one of those things where it's like, I don't think you need to be so set against on or one. Again, I, I personally do like the blend. And, I, I mean, I, I do like practical um, – saying it's not really a me versus you thing i feel like because i do like cg because i think they do work together really well and like again like i would hate to go actually cut film for a living like that sounds terrible but <laughs> so i like it to do that digitally as well and so i i do i do like the both but i, I do like the um again it's like whatever serves the story and it's like newt gunnery it's a great example too just up and down mouth like again it's one of those in in, in a movie that has a bunch of cg it's very weird to see them talk mm -hmm. um and again yoda too it's like i do like the puppet and i like the way they did it in last jedi which he's a puppet he's mm -hmm. the puppet right so i really wish that, that was a practical 
because it or that that was digital because it looks so much better. Yeah. But I am okay with that being practical because it's an interaction with Luke Skywalker, and he always interacted with Puppet Yoda. And yeah, I think visually that would have looked different if nothing else. Yeah. And I, I'm okay for continuity's sake, keeping mm-hmm. that as a puppet. I also feel like the way he's used in the prequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy as well. To go to go to that real quick is I don't think they could have done any other way, and I think that's what Star Wars should be. Like I talked about with the story of Andor, is that I think Star Wars should always be progressing things, and so I think they right. It's not great now. Just like the prequels weren't great with like the CG in comparison to today, they're not the practical stuff. I think they're like trying to see if it works out, and eventually I think it'll be a little even better blended. And so I think they are still trying to figure it out, right? They're kind of coming a little bit more full circle to that to that combo because especially in the early two thousands, late nineties, everything was CG to like the fault i think like spawn is like a terrible c is a terrible example of like cg you mean uh, everything outside of, of star wars was CG? yeah everything outside of star wars and so like and but like but it was all the craze yeah. star wars did it better than anybody else right and i think they got flagged for because it's not what it used to be because but it's, it's like, not perfect and it's sh- but it shouldn't be and right it can't be no nothing was it wasn't perfect in 77 it wasn't perfect in 1980 it wasn't perfect in 1983 um because it because you can tell that stop motion it's Star Wars is perfect in the imperfections. Well, it's the it's what the audience will accept. And for whatever reason, the audience is very willing to accept practical effects that look fake and very unwilling to accept digital effects that look a little fake. Like Yeah, it's a good I think that's I think there's something about the this is such uh, this is even even further in, but I think something is te- is texturing. Um and it's like can you f- realistically see that being i don't know i feel like the predator movies are a weird example but like predator when it came out uh in 87 i i believe i don't know um like you can see that like the sweat dripping off that person you know how that feels and looks if that was in front of you versus like the remake it's not a remake it's like a it's a sequel called predators that came out i think 2017 but like they did the predator very um it's all digital and it just looks fake for some reason or you can't put your finger it just moves non-human so i think physics kind of maybe go out the window part of it but that's like a weird example that's, that's a the very... same thing though with practical effects because mm-hmm. that's what i was trying to get at before yeah. was that it, it might look real but it doesn't act real because when you see a character in the mandalorian who you yeah. know is a practical alien and you watch their mouth move you're like ah, oh, that doesn't look too good yeah as opposed to uh, and i'm sure it cost an arm and a leg but one of the best looking creatures in all of the mandalorian was the two seconds we got of zebarelios yeah where yeah Zeb in my great. opinion yeah. they were clearly laying the groundwork for the ahsoka show i, I think he's gonna so. be in it and i think he's gonna be completely cg i yeah, think this was kind of like a be. testing ground yeah yeah because you can't do that no. practically but it looked amazing and yeah, he and, and you you placed him right next to a, a live action. He's human, um, and it it looked perfect. It yeah. looked seamless, and you looked at Zeb, and you knew it was fake. Like you yeah. know it's CGI, but it still looks better than. I mean, yeah, we all characters. we all know what an alien is, and aliens aren't real. So it's not like you're gonna fool us. Yeah. in no, this I day mean, and age, into seeing like, oh my god, aliens are here. They're in this movie. <laughs> like, but it it comes it comes down to like, what do you want? What are you trying to achieve from your creature design? Do you want to be convinced that Mark Hamill is looking at an actual thing that he could touch or that Luke Skywalker is talking to an actual being that is real in this universe? It's a good point. You know, and but it's just weird because I'm to how well it's done, though, because I think you can do practical effects well and poorly and you can do CGI well and poorly. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But when digital effects are done poorly, they still look as decent as practical effects when they're done poorly but people always just default when digital effects are done poorly that it should have been just been a practical effect like those all automatically look so much better like they they have different types of limitations and the audience is just so much more lenient on practical effects than they are on digital effects and i'm wondering if that is starting to be a generational thing that mm-hmm. as you know, we're we're all in our mid to late twenties, and I think couple more weeks. Really, you're turning thirty. Yeah, you're yeah. turning thirty at the end of the month. Um, but so so we're relatively young, but we're still we we weren't raised on digital effects like kids today are, and mm-hmm. I wonder if they're gonna if they're about to be looking at us like ancient technology, thinking that practical effects look even passable when digital effects look so much better at worst. You know. 
It it just it one hundred percent comes down to how well it's done. And the problem with movies today, or I shouldn't say that, the CGI today, is that it's being CGI is being so overused that yeah. they're spreading all of their budget on CGI, and they're not putting the time or energy needed in any specific scene of CGI. So instead, you get a bunch of very average CGI. When the technology is there, like you can make anything look amazing, it's all just a matter of dollars and cents. It's like Zeb. Zeb looked great, right? They probably put so much money into that that just one shot, right? Which is why mm-hmm. I don't have super high hopes that he's going to be in a lot of Ahsoka. But it is one of those things where like, I think if you're looking at the discussion of weirdly, I think the discussion of Star Wars and CGI versus practical versus, um, versus movies as a whole as CGI and practical, or weirdly almost a different conversation for me. I think because I think in Star Wars, like I said, should always be pushing boundaries and seeing what is what's what's to come. With also with that being said, I do think, as you know, um, I think Star Wars is a lot about legacy, but also I just think there's like a funness to it where like there's like Easter eggs of like stop motion and weirdness and and practical. But I think overall. There are there are Easter eggs mm-hmm. to that, and I'm okay with um, you know stop motion and miniatures being used to to extents. Sure. For example, um, Dejarik, whenever it's seen, obviously when in A New Hope, and again in The Rise of Skywalker, that's all stop motion, and I think that is a tremendous use of stop motion because that yeah. is an in-universe low technology thing. Yeah. But when you start doing that with the, you know, the main universe big events, it just it looks hokey, and we can do it better. That's a that's a good example, and I want to talk about something that I feel like you can't not talk about when you're talking about CGI versus practical, and mm-hmm. that's Jurassic Park, yeah, because it's, it all comes Ugh. down to just selectivity. You just need to know, you need to have these tools, and you need to know when to use them for what application. Exactly, yeah. Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park, it could not have been done better. They had the perfect combination of practical for CGI. I don't think it would look as good if they did that 100% CGI. I think yeah, I, they, I mean, we know it didn't. They did Jurassic World like that. They, they yeah, did. and I don't think that looked nearly as good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They did the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park as 100% CGI, and they looked terrible. Whenever anyone talks about Jurassic Park, they just talk about that one scene with the T-Rex at night in the rain. It, oh, it, it, no. You it does get... a great service to talk about uh, animal that no one has ever seen in real life that you've only seen pictures of and put it in the dark and in the rain and then shoot it. No, yeah, I, mean, I think that's well, that's knowing how to do it, right? I mean, that was very that, smart. That knowing it's how also to do way it. harder Just because they know how to do it properly. You can't give crap to the the trade. That scene was also ten times harder to film because it was raining, and they didn't know that the T Rex absorbed all that water. So all of a sudden, one ton T Rex turned into like a three ton T Rex, and so all the me- really had to know that. yeah, so all the mechanics and stuff were working as well. But I think one of the the most touching scene in that movie is when you see the dying dinosaur in the beginning, and Doctor Grant goes up to him and it's breathing. Just that is the the best the best use of practical. That's a good example. Versus, too. then you get the CG when you see the uh, bronchiosauruses walk in the field and stuff, and you have the the T Rex at the end. But then you also see the Velociraptor poke his head out when the guy says "clever uh, clever girl." But then you also see them running, and then they're right. It's it is the perfect blend, and I think that movie. That's the thing. Is that what's the intention? Is it easy or is it going to be groundbreaking? And I think that's what Star Wars does. Is they try to go for groundbreaking every single time. And I think you look at a Marvel movie, right? I like Marvel movies, but like again, a lot of them are just like gobbledygook on screen. And when you have a lot of access of anything, you end up becoming desensitized to it. And I think that's the thing, right? In, we're talking about Jurassic Park thirty years later, nineteen ninety-three, same year I was born. Um, 30 years later because it is the perfect amount and it is trying to be groundbreaking versus you have all these Marvel movies where we have just become to expect a spectacle of of whatever, which is fine, but I feel like Jurassic Park was intentional with what they were doing, whether that's because they were they had their hands tied behind their backs a little bit because of budget and restraints um, or, or just like what was practical and what was being able to be done or um you know versus a lot of the stuff now i feel like it's like oh let's just do this thing for the background um and again i think it's a big difference between star wars and movies as a whole thing because you look at just some quick movies uh not to get off star wars too quick but when you look at lord of the Rings versus the hobbit right which might be the most obvious one yeah right like the hobbit is not even debatably worse looking than lord of the rings and it's because the, the practical the practicality of it but also the story so it's not full cg's fault right it's no, just the, the same thing with rings of power yeah the visuals in the hobbit were a lot 
lower quality than the yes. visuals in Lord of the Rings. That's fair. Another you, a common example that I always think of too is Fast and Furious. I think one of the reasons that franchise yeah. has gone so far off the walls is because they just do everything CGI. I mean, they just like when they're in the writing room and they're coming up with these absurd scripts that people joke about how absurd they are, it's because they're like, well, you know, we'll just CGI it. Like, we can do literally the sky's anything. The limit. But if they say, like, okay, we're going to do a lot more practical effects in Fast and Furious movies, it would force the movie to be more grounded. And then but, you, it, it's, I think practical also sparks imagination, right? You get one of the best movies of all time, Jaws, 1975, right? The, the first blockbuster. Because the shark wouldn't operate as well as they wanted it to. So CGI is not even on the table here, right? But you get more opportunities for things to be, for filmmakers to be creative and find solves, right? The script called for the shark to be on screen way more. I think the shark has a total of seven minutes screen time. That's maybe even putting it too far of actual him being on screen, Bruce being on screen or the fins. But instead we get his point of view from the shark's point of view, swimming up, getting killing people, going to, towards the boat, so you know what that shark is going towards without having to see it most of the time. And so I think a lot of practical effects allows filmmakers to make more interesting movies by the unfortunate mistakes or, or, or faults, I guess, of the practical effects. And that's not saying that like that works out every time. There's a million bad examples of that too as well, right? But like I so I'm just obviously saying that the ones that I, I really like, but I think it, it ignites imagination, right? And you you go and you get more personalities involved as well. So like you said, a lot of the Fast and Furious movies are kind of throwaway now where it's just like, yeah, they go to space. Yeah, they do this. Yeah, they do that. But it's like you look at people like John Dykstra, right, um, from from who in Star Wars who basically created all this stuff in 77 for A New Hope. Uh, and I mean, they were creating stuff that has were, was not invented yet in order to be – uh, more fluid and and better and work for this movie, which is like weird because they're trailblazers, and so the same thing is going on with CGI as well. Um, but you get like fun little weird things like the the guitar string on in the in the back of the car with the water and the T Rex is walking um, towards uh, towards the the Jeep, right? It's like that water instead of being CG water, somebody's underneath there plucking a guitar string, so it looks like somebody is walking towards you. Like you get all that fun stuff that like I think. I mean, you're looking at the, the noises to Star Wars. It's not just a synth, right? It's a dude, I forget his name, outside with a metal pole hitting one of those wires that go up to a telephone wire, right? Like, that stuff is so cool, I think. And it's it's, it's because it's made it's made practically. And I think, I mean, I'm all for also doing stuff digitally, too, because it's a lot cheaper, right? Like, me, myself, uh, we shot a feature last year. And obviously, well, there's a, there's a little bit of CGI in it, I guess. Um just like taking out some phone screens and stuff too. Um, but I don't know. It just, it like all this stuff I'm talking about is like a double-edged sword, right? Cause it's like, I, I want to do a cheaper option. I think it should be more to the masses to be able to do anything. I mean, look at YouTube or content creators or whatever. You can do whatever you want, but in turn, big budget movies, I think there is something creative in the limited possibilities of what you're doing. And there's something creative about the collaboration too. And I think that's oh, an yeah. important part of it because yeah. uh in there's a very good documentary about industrial light and magic on Disney Plus, but in it George Lucas says, you know, oh if I had my way I could just stick two antennas into my brain and I can just project what's in my head so that everyone else can see it. Obviously he can't do that and it forces it to become collaborative. And in that collaboration you get something that you know, is probably better than George Lucas's vision because yep. it's George Lucas's vision combined with everyone else and like those practical Dennis Murin. Uh, limits on how to uh, accomplish that. Right. Um, one thing that they talk about in that documentary is the um, uh, the trench around the uh, Death Star. And the only reason that that trench was there was because they needed something a backdrop for the ships to fly against in order to show speed because if they were just flying in open space you wouldn't be able to like see that they were moving fast mm -hmm. and so like something like that like that's the whole reason that there's the yeah um what's it called the meridian trench or whatever mm -hmm. um and so like stuff like that is is very cool too right with uh practical effects and i think that is where it comes in handy um i agree with luke in that i think anytime you have somebody talk in 2023 that needs to be cgi i 1000 percent agree 
when, it, when if, it comes to stuff like like your surroundings and and ships and uh, backgrounds and stuff like that, I'm like, yes, I think all those should be practical effects. I don't think CG is there yet because you can still tell. Because another example is um, Mandalorian versus Andor. I was right? going to bring this up Andor, too. Andor yeah. was like shot on location in all these places, and you kind of think like, okay, well that might be overkill. They have this volume, and they can be just about anywhere with the volume. And then you watch it, and you're like, okay, I can't put my finger on it, but yes, this feels more real. And that is a great I great use of practical effects what i would consider practical effects i think on location shooting nowadays is basically considered a practical effect if you have a creature that's walking that needs to be cgi because you can tell just by like the way they move like the this the, the one leg at a time like with the alternating oh yeah and you're like oh that's that's definitely a practical that's effect. what they did with stranger things they originally tried to do impractical for the demogorgon and they're like nah, this isn't working i mean they have scenes of the of the guy in the suit doing the Demogorgon, but it's it's mostly CGI because you can't move. It's, it's you know you can't do a monster. Practical. Sorry, Luke. I feel like you're gonna say something for ten minutes now. Yeah, well, I was gonna comment on um, the difference between the Andor and Mandalorian set design because yes, I agree that the and- Andor set design looks better, but it's a product of the story they're telling because Andor takes place in large part on Ferrix or on Aldani or on um, Narkina Five, and they can build all those sets, but. Mandalorian goes to a new planet every single episode. They mm-hmm. there's no way they they can make a practical set or go to a location for every episode, especially because all those locations are so otherworldly. For sure, at least most of them. And so, we're we're sacrificing, you know, the aesthetic of a better looking set for the storytelling of a more interesting location. And I think that that's a fair trade, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I agree. I don't think you can do Mandalorian. I, Boba Fett feels like it's also practical as well, but no one, yeah, <laughs> but no one said any boo about that. I don't think. Yeah, uh, Boba Fett's all practical, but yeah, it, and, it, and it, it looks good, but it's because it's able to be practical because it's all in the same location. It's all on Mos Eisley. Yeah, for sure. I think in I think overall for me, it's like if I'm get the same thing with when you're watching Star Wars and it's like you go with your gut feeling, right? Uh, I think my gut feeling is every single time I see anything, it I want to see that magic, right? Movie magic, and whether that's CG like the the monster from Cloverfield, which I was, or whether it's like, um, you know, certain things like like the guitar string thing in in, uh, in Jurassic Park. Um, it's just like I want to like how did my my key thing is like how did they do that? Like that's what I want to see every single time. And I feel like lately I've been coming back, but like for a long time, like I I've been obsessed with movies since I was four years old. Like I've loved them, Star Wars or non Star Wars. And for the past year or so. Uh, me and, uh, again, composer Josh Vanderzyden have been talking about how we've been falling out of love with movies for a very long time. And I think a lot of it is because it doesn't make me think, how did they do that? Or that's a compelling story um, into the certain in, in, in that way. And I think... You think I, it's because you work as an editor now? And you're, uh, and you're just thinking, oh, God, that was probably annoying to edit. <laughs> part of me, yes. and But the other part of me is, is, is just like, I haven't... I want to see something that is more practical, I think. And then we were talking... Um, about Indiana Jones a while back. Um, something that I really like is I've been going back to the theaters and then we've been looking at like smaller indie movies. And I'm, I'm consistently like I watch Russ Anderson's Asteroid City and a lot of me is like, how did they do that? I mean, there's a, yes, CG, but it's one of those perfect blends of like stop motion and CG, but also like live action stuff. And it's like the camera movement. And I think something about movies in general is just like the spectacle of it, right? And whether it's CG or practical, I just want that spectacle of like that movie magic. And that's something that I, I don't want to go away because like, Again, I feel like I'm bashing on Marvel because it's just like the easiest thing. But same thing with DC. Let's just go with DC for this example. It's like I've never seen a DC film in the modern Zack Snyder and then after that, the post era, and been like, how did they do that? That amazed me. When I watch Jurassic Park to this day, I'm like, and, that and, amazes me. CG and practical. And uh, neither have you ever been amazed either. Because they add mm-hmm. so much CG That's what that I mean, they yeah. spread their budget around and they don't focus any on like any like one major uh, uh, scene or anything like that. And it all just looks bad to average. Yeah. Like I haven't seen Flash yet, but I know a lot of people are complaining about the CGI in it. And I know that there's a lot of CGI in it. Yeah. Um, it's all gobbledygook. And uh, same thing, like you said, like with Marvel, like um, She-Hulk. Like mm-hmm. everyone was talking about, like how just terrible design yeah. She-Hulk is, yeah. And it's like you, you know, the technology's there. Like, uh, there's 
and it kind of upsets me whenever people do this, but there's always like stories of like, oh, this fan like uh, updated yes. this uh, CGI those. character uh, and like you watch it on YouTube and it's like a 10 second clip of like a much better person. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like, do you know how much time and energy that person put into doing just those 10 seconds? Yes. That's time and energy that these people don't have because they're working under a budget, under specific time constraints, and they have to do an entire season of TV shows. Yeah. It's 100% just money. And if that's all it is, if something's going to look bad because you don't have the money for it, then don't do CGI. Oh, in that in that case, don't do the show yet, right? Because or, yeah, or mean, have a bigger budget. Or, yeah, don't do the show at all. Because that, that, there's no way that could be done practical either. <laughs> right. Or She-Hulk. <laughs> She-Hulk, I disagree. You know what? I think I that absolutely could be done practical. You think that, so? Yes. What? Well, I guess in her normal costume design? Like, yeah, Lu, like, like Lou Ferrigno? <laughs> something? Yeah, something like that. That would look so much worse. I, wanna, <laughs> I, dis- I disagree. I think so, too. I want to talk about this later. <laughs> There's absolutely a practical way. Of Interesting. You, so you're going to die in that hill, just to confirm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. To, to bring it back to Star Wars, you were talking about how you we think that there should be a mix between practical and digital. When a practical uh, creature is talking, they should have a digital mouth. Yeah. I think if they did that, it would look better, and it would be so hated by everyone. I think it would be in so many headlines. It would be the only thing that anyone talks about from that piece of content. I think people, despite the fact that it does look mm-hmm. better, because it looks different from what they expect, and they expect, you know, it to look like a four-year-old's moving a, their jaw and their upper lip with a yeah. puppet, and I think because they don't get what they expect with that, it would just be so hated. I don't think so. I think so long as it looked good, people wouldn't care. Yeah, because it's the perfect blend, and I think that's all... Uh, I w- I is there, know, I is there any example? I'm trying to think. Yes, and I, f- I would literally, as we were saying that, I was like, I swear to God there's an example, but in the opposite, and they did... The whole Dark Crystal show, not like that. And I think that's why that, not why that failed, but it's like, it just feels like you're watching something from the 80s and it's like, it just doesn't belong in the, it just feels weird if it was another time. It's like, that seems very, so imagine like if Star Wars was only that, it'd be like, I don't like that at all. Like, it's weird. So I think, I think that it would be a, I don't, I feel like that would be accepted. I feel like there is an example and I'm blanking and I should have researched it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's also the whole thing of, do we want to, respect the legacy of Star Wars when we're making Star Wars by making it similar to the mm-hmm. aesthetic of the original trilogy. And I think that is just some of the dumbest logic. George Lucas also did the prequel trilogy. Why is the legacy the yeah, original I trilogy? J.J. Uh, Abrams is so gun-ho on respecting the aesthetic design of the original trilogy. It drives me up a wall because The Force Awakens, I mean, narratively, is also very trying to respect the original trilogy by remaking it, more or less. But he, he makes such an effort to make things practically. The Luga Beast on Jakku is obviously a puppet. The Hapabor is obviously a puppet. And so, do we want Star Wars to look like classic Star Wars? Or is The Force Awakens better for making things more digital or more practical? You know, we've improved on every single element of filmmaking in the last 46 years. We don't need to pretend we can't do things better just for the sake of honoring a bygone era. But I think that's I think that is what Star Wars is, is that it's pushing it forward, right? They did CG, and so I think there is this combination now. They're doing the volume. I think that is right, but like not the entire and it's way better than just a green screen, right? I think they are doing that. I think they are figuring out what's next. And I think some of it is failing, some of it's not, right? And but I think there's you're looking at last. Let's look at uh, Last Jedi. Do they know the, it's failing though? Because that that is what makes yeah. me nervous. Like to Luke's point, whenever yeah. I do see a practical uh, c- creature mm-hmm. or character on Mandalorian talking in my head, I do always wonder, like, mm-hmm. do they think that looks good? I don't know, but I think it's, I don't... do they think that looks good, or do they think that's what we as fans want? Because obviously yeah. they, I mean, they they can they see it with the same eyes that we're looking. Like yeah. they don't think it looks real, but do they think that that's the reality we want to see? So you think they and do it, it and they know it looks bad, and they're like, but that's what people want. I think so, and it's I think it's true. I think it's what most of the fans want. Not me. I thought it's what you wanted. Is it not? But yeah, but I want a combination. I want something that looks good and is consistently advancing. I don't think we should be stuck in the past and doing like. I mean, I love Phil Tippett and I love his stop motion, but I don't think we should be doing Phil Tippett stop motion in like the modern Star Wars trilogy, whatever comes out next. So like, the the example that Max is using, I'm sure, is the same one that I'm thinking of from the Mandalorian season three, the pirate um, yep. first mate, yeah. the the Nikto guy. Yeah, um, we've seen Nikto before in Star Wars on Jabba Sail Barge, and mm-hmm. they look great, but we've never seen them talk and. This is why, because he looks hokey when he talks. Yeah. Do you think that they should have redone the, his character design digitally for 
his talking scenes and have him practical for his non-talking scenes or have him all digital or See, not have a Nikto there. How easy is it to have a practical and digital, though? Because that's, that well, comes that's, back to the serpent. I'm like, is it practical to have both? I feel like if you're doing one, like if you're already going through all the trouble of making him CGI, just keep him CGI. I have no idea how CGI works, but I imagine once you already like create the character, there's a file somewhere that you can use as a template to use in the future as well. And it's like, yeah. let's just let's just go back to that. You it, know, like Maz Kanata in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, how she's an animatronic all of a sudden for no reason. Yeah, did they mm. not? Isn't there already a file somewhere of Maz Kanata that they could just use as like their template? Like, why did they start from the ground up when they already had this infrastructure of? I, I don't CGI. Think Maz it works Kanata. that way. I'm not. A, I'm not a CG artist. I'm, Matt, I'm looking to you because you know that more than I do. I mean, I don't I know would, how CGI works. I would assume there is a build for that person somewhere. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, how, not that long ago we just heard about that story about how Toy Story Two got fully deleted and someone just so happened <laughs> to have it backed up on, on at home. So I'm it's sure like it's not just that they lost the file. No, but, no, neither, but, me neither. But I'm saying like people are dumb. <laughs> like, no, I think I think it's a lot more complicated than that though because you have to do like the lighting and like every yes. frame that you're adding in the movie has to be meticulously like oh the lighting pixel, is the but. biggest yeah but no the lighting is like the worst part of like mm-hmm. actually be, having that person be or that creature in that same same universe but i think on that same scene but i think the the star the conversation about star wars movies versus star wars tv shows is vastly different because they're doing this on a tv budget which is crazy so like we're almost talking lucky the to Mandalorian? have yeah we're lucky to have anything i know it's like an insane budget but like look at star trek from the 60s right i mean they didn't have the option to do cg or practical they just had a rubber mask like so like if you're looking at tv that's like a whole different story because we're able to do star wars in a you know unfortunately 30 minute <laughs> uh you wish it was a little longer 30 minute like section so i think they're doing a really good job for that but like you said i i mean i think it'd be significantly easier to be able to just like have their mouths be a little different, a little CG. And I think that'd be a, a fine blend. But going back to what you said, though, I don't like that, though. I don't like it when people say, like, well, it's impressive when you consider the budget. Okay, if they don't have the budget to make it look good, like you said, don't do it. But then the option is not CG. The option the, is not to do it, then. And, I mean, yeah. we still want The Mandalorian. Yeah, then yeah. don't make a TV show. Like, if you're saying, like, oh, we'll give you guys a TV show, but it'll look like crap because, you know, the budget, then it's like, all right, well, then can you just make us a movie? But then no, I think I'm okay. I'm okay with that constraint and that and that yeah. ex- explanation. It's one of those things. You'd rather have a bad TV show than a good movie. I, I don't think. I think they're bad or good. It's just the <laughs> the effects we're talking about, right? The effects. The effects yeah. are bad or good. If they said, "Oh, these these visual effects will look bad as a TV show and good as a movie," you say, "Give me the the TV show." Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want the story because presumably you do get more content. Right? I, want, I just want. I want the story. The story is told in that way. Sure. I mean the way the way you're framing it, I would obviously rather have a good movie than a bad TV show. But if they stopped making The Mandalorian because it got too expensive to do the effects, it's not like they would start making movies. Like they're already making movies, yeah, and they're not going to make more movies if they stop making TV shows. Sure. No, the the, the practical answer to that is uh, what they did in Kenobi and Andor, which is just use less creatures, yeah. right? I mean that's the first thing to go. And a lot of people like criticized uh, uh, Kenobi because when they were on Tatooine, like, oh, we've seen Tatooine before and there's usually, like, mostly creatures that live there and now they're all humans and, like, what the heck is up with that? I think that's such a dumb argument. But it's, like, it's, it's like, this conversation. It's, like, yeah. they could have inserted them, but that just costs money and they were just, like, no, we, we're on a budget. Like, we yeah. have to use this money we elsewhere. We gotta bring Benny Safdie um, in here. When you were... I forget what you said, Matt. That just made me think of it. Probably something really smart. Lightsabers in the sequel mm-hmm. trilogy is oh, also yeah. another great use of practical effects. Yeah. Because then... Oh, when you were talking about lighting. Because you, yeah. you got the reflections on the characters yeah. and something that was like missing in the sequel or in the prequels um, yep. was that reflections from the lightsabers yeah. and it just made it look so much more real that is a great use of a practical effect yeah I think something that um, the key is making it grounded right and that blend like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago the snow scene when uh, Kylo is fighting Ray and then also Finn uh, in Force Awakens. Yeah, you said that was all done digitally. I, I mean, like you have, have to imagine JJ would have gone to a snowy place or, or made some no, fake snow that's or something. No, that's on a, that's definitely in a lot in London. Um, really? That's definitely but the snow inside. Is fake? This I would guarantee that the snow they maybe fifteen to twenty percent of that is real, just for atmosphere. The rest of it is guaranteed CG. 
all. I mean, mm. that is it. That is and the whole background. They're not. Uh, they're not outside. The background can be fake. I believe that. Yeah, for but, sure. Like, the the snow falls on the characters, and they get snow in their hair and stuff. That's got to oh, be real. I would say fifteen to twenty percent of that's real. The rest is CG for really? sure. Really? Yeah. That seems so hard to do. That's it's incredibly hard to do. <laughs> but I think that's the thing is that, like if it works for the scene and it's grounded, right? Like you probably have. I mean, in that set we we've seen it's blue screen in the back, so it looks really rad when you see those behind the scene footage. But it's like. That area is maybe 30 feet wide by like 10 feet, right? And so it's like all that is practical and you have like the snow and you have snow falling potentially, but then the rest of it is just CG. And I think that's the perfect blend between the two and everything is purposely done, right? You're not distracted behind in the woods, like what's but beyond Kylo and, and Finn fighting. You're just in that moment, which is great. And I think something that um, basically, I think the, the, the effects need to be very grounded, and I think that's something that I was looking up specifically Last Jedi, this podcast's favorite movie of Star Wars. <laughs> that's true. Um, and I was looking at how Ryan Johnson specifically uses effects. And I think he said something really interesting. And I think he has a human touch to all of his effects, which is the key, I think. He doesn't, in a world full of holograms and a world full of everything, right? The most impressive thing to me is the, which I never really thought about. I was looking at some articles today, and it's the scene between Ray and Kylo when they're looking at each other and communicating from afar. The Force time in yeah. in the Last Jedi, that stuff is the most simple thing. Where it's shot reverse shot, right? We're just seeing them and the and then the back again. There's no weirdness. That could have been anything, right? That could have been like in in Stranger Things when Eleven is in the upside down area in her head. It's all black and there's just water underneath, right? That could have been super weird. He could have done that any other way. Yeah, he could have taken that in a trippy way. But instead, it is the it's 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 the most simple thing possible, right? And whether it's the the digital effects of like uh you know the 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 water, I guess that's not even the digital effect, but like at the, and at the very end, they're just together, right? And I think that's a really he could have gone crazy, but he didn't. He kept it very simple. The same thing with he makes them count that moment when they're touching hands and Luke walks in. That's a very simple moment. It's a very grounded moment. And then the other aspect of it, um, again, I, I know you're looking at me weird if that's like why you're mentioning that because it's not CG. Yeah, I'm just I, saying, I just don't see where you're going. I'm just like, saying that's he, not really an effect. No, but he could have made time. it anything he wanted and he didn't, right? And then the opposite of that is when Holdo sacrifices herself. The most effective thing, it's also grounded. Obviously all CG, <laughs> but it, it, he cuts out the sound, right? And I think that's another thing is like that movie stands out to me specifically because of the effects and because he makes them really poignant and he, he gives a point to them. He just doesn't do a gobbledygook DC or Marvel movie. Everything has a, an effect. And so um, um, he actually has a quote that I wanted to bring up real quick. Um, and he says, CGI is terrible. I hate it. No, I was kidding. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, he said, this is when they were talking about doing force awakens and the last Jedi back to back. And he says, they're doing so much practical building for this for this one. It's awesome. I think people are coming around back back around to practical. It feels like there's sort of a gravity pulling us back toward it. I think there are more and more people um, that are hitting a kind of critical mass in terms of uh, CG-driven scenes le- uh, leading, wait, lending itself to a very specific type of action scene where fixes, physics go out the window and it becomes uh, so big so quick. But then he goes on to say that we, he grew up in uh, the 80s, and so it might just be a generational thing. And so I do think it is a generational thing, and I think it is up to the filmmakers to be responsible with CG to make them grounded, much like Ryan Johnson does, who I think does effects perfectly. He knows when to use them, but he also knows when not to use them. And I think that's the key. That is really interesting, too, and I, I agree with everything that you just said. I think um, the example of Hold- Holdo um, yeah. doing performing the Holdo maneuver... That is a good example because there is a very easy way for somebody to just absolutely take that too far, right? Because, like, obviously you're not doing that at any sort of practical effect. Like, that's yeah. all CG. But he still made it grounded by, you know, doing that far zoomed out shot of it all yeah. happening because it kind of subconsciously puts in your mind, like, if this were a practical shot, this is how they would have had to have filmed it. Whereas to go back to something like Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. like whenever they hit the NOS and you get that weird angle where you go through like the car's mechanics <laughs> into the tubes yeah. and out the exhaust pipe or something. Like imagine like if the camera like they went do, into the... They do that the... in Solo if you're going to use that example. Do it with Star <sighs> I, Wars. I like it when they do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like to take the Holdo maneuver though, like they could have done that like in some absurd like, oh, what if we like had the camera like as if from the cockpit point of view and we see it like being launched through the supremacy and like mm-hmm. scattered out and stuff like that. But it's like, you're right. that That is a, a really good 
good point of like just keeping yeah. it uh keeping it grounded and uh same thing with ray and um kylo talking to each other like yeah they could have like transformed into this astral plane or some sort yeah. of sequence where it, it might have been more clear to the viewer like oh they, they've somehow like left you know reality and they're now talking to some to each yeah. other in this other in this other way um so yeah I, I think that's that's a really good point like just keeping it grounded and you can still keep it grounded using practical and cg yeah and i think that's your the almost the antithesis point if that if that makes sense to you and JJ, we're talking about like he's keeping things grounded, but he's almost unkeeping things grounded by making by forcing some practical effects as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this feels like a therapeutic episode. <laughs> this this is. I you guys are agreeing with me a lot more than I thought it would, and it feels very vindicating. But I I'm I do like practical though. Do you agree with me? Let's see. I if, mean, I, I okay. do like practical, but I'm starting to feel like I'm I'm misinterpreting the situation out there. Like people hate on all these digital effects. Am I wrong? Like. They still complain about that with the prequels. They yeah, still people, want them to be complain about whatever they want. They yeah, they complain about, about everything. That. I thought what, you what's important about it. Me? No. What's important? Both of you. Both of you. What's no. important is just how it looks. So long as it looks good. If you if you tell me like, oh, they did a mix of CG and uh, practical effects for this, and I can't tell you which is which, then it's done well. The problem for me is when I look at something on the screen and I go, oh that's cg or when a, it's a character uh, puppet talking or something and i'm like oh that's practical effect yeah if if i'm in either one of those camps then they've done it wrong but you know what's real and what's not so you're gonna know if something cg or something is a practical effect because it's not because it's a special effect it's not a real thing depending I mean, special effects the, can still be practical the suits in avengers endgame Insane, all digital. Yes, but that's insane. Ahsoka Tano is not is a practical effect because she's not that. That's an alien, and aliens aren't real. But you're not going to look at Ahsoka in August and say, "Oh, that's a practical effect," so I don't like it. It's you're going to look at something and say that looks bad, or I don't believe that that looks real in this universe. So they made a big deal about Ahsoka's lacus, right? Because they wanted it to. Uh, yeah, well, they I wanted hear it to they be got lower, but it was hard show. to be it. Uh, mm. It was hard for it to be practical and longer. And it's like, well, could you CG it? And then it's like, well, how do you CG just the Laku? So it's a whole thing. But um, no, I, I disagree with you. I think it's the exact same thing. So long as I'm looking at Ahsoka and she looks real, and it doesn't, if I even if I do know that it's a practical effect, so long as it doesn't remind me that it's a practical effect, she so long as I me. can look at it and it looks realistic. Again, to take that hypothetical, if you told me, oh, this is Ahsoka, half of her character is CG and half of her character is practical, and I can't tell you which part's which, then it's fine. I, I have she hasn't taken me out of it yet so far. I mean, we're gonna see her a lot more, obviously, next no, month. She's never taken, I, I've like, always loved her. To design. go back to your example is Grogu. Like again, I know Grogu's a practical effect, but when he's sitting in his in his tram, He's fine. It doesn't I, take I, me out of it. I believe when he starts a, jumping around, doing flips and yes. walking, and then it's like, oh yeah, that's a practical. I effect. believe that that is like a living thing when I'm watching Mandalorian until he stands up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. There it is. There's that break. I'm really glad that we talked through this. This was very therapeutic. <laughs> therapeutic, um, because yeah, I, I feel like I've solidified my view. I feel like everything done with a person with a character or a creature should be cg and the rest is just whatever looks better yeah Yeah. i i think i agree um but it's just it's just like the societal thing that practical better digital worse like i i when i rewatch parks and rec there's that the that line when ben wyatt is talking about the upcoming release of episode seven because this was made in the two early 2010s and he makes that comment about that he's nervous that they're going to be too reliant on computer generated imaging and it's like screw you man they can do it and they and it can work and i feel like that was a good litmus test of where the society was at at that time and i I feel like that's largely where we still are and i keep hearing that and i keep seeing it online but digital effects can look great and they are not practical effects are not the answer to all bad digital effects yeah, in certain situations, or better CG. Either better CG is the answer, or practical, depending on what it is. But or there's never you, a discussion for better practical. If, if, oh, if it's I too expensive, is. if it's too expensive to do it well with CG and it can't be done with practical, then don't show it. Yeah, because 
that you're guaranteeing that's going to take somebody out of it. Yeah. And I think there's like weird things where like, if you look, if you like sloth was CG, it's like, no, he was just a practical effect and he looked good. But then you also have like Who's weird sloth? things. You talking Goonies? Goonies? I was about yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. His, his mask and stuff. Yeah. It's, I it's mean, all practical. That's like, that's, see, that's a good, it's like, imagine. But like you're a, saying that looked good? Yes. Imagine like if E.T. was digital, though. that'd be weird, right? E.T. works because they, they knew what the script was and they, they worked well with it versus the, what is that? My, something in me. Where it just is like Marley and me. No, not the dog. That. Yeah, <laughs> it was a golden retriever. Damn it! Uh, I don't know what it's called, but there's another movie that's like basically an ET ripoff, and it looks it's bananas. It's like no, that should have been better practical, and it was like 1980 something, so it's like not even like a CG's on the table. It's like no, that just looks bad. There are a couple more examples um, that I think Luke had that want that you wanted to talk about. I'll bring up one because I always think of it too in Return of the Jedi when they blow up. Um, you you've no you've come around to my thinking my thinking on it because I thought you said never, I was crazy I've never the first time I brought it up. It. It's the when they blow up the shield generator on Endor. Mm-hmm. It is a comically large explosion. It is clearly a five foot miniature that they blew up <laughs> oh, with yeah. ten sticks of dynamite. But when you scale that up to the size of Endor, like Han set a dozen charges in the back bunker on this shield generator, and then it looks like the whole thing is made of gasoline. Like, if you scale this up, there is no (laughs) minimum distance that Han could have ran out of that bunker to be safe. It would have left a crater in Endor. Might have split it in half, for all I know. It is just impossibly large, and because it looks real, because it is real, people think it looks good, but it doesn't look good in the context of the story and in-universe. Um when we when we talked about it before, I had never really thought about it too much. I knew exactly the scene you were talking about, obviously, and I'm like, no, that explosion looks fine. Like, yeah, it's a big explosion, but you're absolutely right. It's it's, it's the explosion. context because you see Han Solo running away from it and then like jumping behind a bush, and like <laughs> yeah. the way it's edited, it's like, oh, he jumped like ten feet, and then you cut out to that major explosion, <laughs> and it's like Han Solo should at the very least not have any eyebrows when we cut back. Wouldn't to that him. be funny if? That's he actually died there. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> he just, never saw him again. He just didn't get far enough. <laughs> yeah, just, that was it. That was done. Um, that is the last specific example I wanted to bring up. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to say before we wrap up? I thought we were going to argue a lot more than we actually did, and, and so I was. I'm honestly drenched in sweat. <laughs> <laughs> we also never talked about uh, Christopher Nolan, who's also pretty notable in the cg or lack thereof mm-hmm. conversation just because he's very pro practical effects and he's very yeah. creative and good at finding practical ways of doing things that are not uh really yeah practical, but he also but is able to i think he's able to yeah put his actors and stuff that is but he does real. also use some cg yeah i mean look yeah. At very, he actually detonated a nuclear selectively. bomb for oppenheimer yeah he, he detonated a <laughs> bomb for oppenheimer it was wild did he really yeah i'm not surprised um, another another example that has always bothered me is uh, Matt Reeves' Batman that came out in the last year or two. What? What? No, why does it bother you? Oh, because in an interview, he was bragging about how he did that scene where Batman drives the Batmobile and the Penguin is, or he's chasing Penguin and he drives it through a big fireball and the car blows up and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, we did this practically because we're so dedicated to the craft or whatever. And it's like, that's just... An occup- you're just introducing an occupational hazard. Like the, that could have been done digitally just as well, and you just wanted to see something go boom in real life, and they, you did that for selfish reasons. I think there's just such a stigma around digital effects and such a unnecessary praise around practical effects that when you see something done practically, people think it's like a point to brag and like it's a almost like a PR thing mm-hmm. to say I did this practically. It's a little feather in their cap, like ooh, look at me. Yeah. It is tough, but you want to, uh, I don't know if your mind's going to be blown. I'm sure you're going to be like, that makes a lot of sense. Do you know who Matt Reeves' like best friend is since they were 13 years old? Christopher, Christopher Nolan? Nolan? No, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. God, that is hilarious. That does make perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just those three guys. All right. Well, that's all I wanted to say about practical and digital effects. Does anyone have any force for thought to leave us with? No. Yeah, I have some force <laughs> for thought real quick. Uh, so I recently rewatched Solo, and uh, something interesting kind of struck me. If you talk about them going through the gears like they do in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great shot. It is really no. cool with the coaxium. I like um, that. No, it, it, it's when uh, Han meets Lando for the first time, and he plays Sabacc, and he gambles with a fake ship in order to try to win the Millennium Falcon from him. And Lando cheats, and Han knows that he cheats, um, but he never pays the ship. I, I've had that same thought before, yeah. Which is, is still indebted to Lando of VCX-100. Because after that, they play again at the end of the movie, Han cheats, Lando knows he cheats, but he still gives him the Millennium Falcon. Well, I think I might have brought this up 
online once before because I've had the exact same thought. Does Han cheat at the end or does he just stop Lando from cheating? I think Han played straight at, I think, at the end. I think so too. And Lando was expecting to cheat. No, because he said, are you looking lost. for this? He shows him the card that he would have had. Yeah, but he's not. But that's not the card that he's playing, is it? I think that's just the card that he stopped Lando from playing. How would he, how would he have it if he's not playing it? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Like, imagine if someone plays a full house, and then after playing a full house, is also holding an extra ace, and he's like, oh, you're looking for this? And he's like, what the fuck? How do you have that card? Uh, I guess that is how no, it is. No, I think he did play it. I that. think he played it against him. I think, and here's my little force for thought, I think it's a little nuanced difference between the characters of Han Solo and Lando. I think Lando has much more of an honor among thieves mentality. Lando mm. was bested, and he was like, you know what? Props to you. You caught me, and you you did this very well, and he paid over the Millennium Falcon like a gentleman. Han doesn't really have that same code. Han is much more selfish. He's in it for himself, as is his character arc in you know, the next uh, three movies, like all throughout the original trilogy, right? First, we see him in A New Hope. He's selfish. Then by the end of the movie, he's kind of selfless. Uh, uh, Empire starts, and he's kind of selfish again. And then uh, Return of the Jedi, he's selfless. You know, that, that's his arc. It goes up and down, right? But I think Han is just much more in it for himself. And he's like, no, no one else matters. And so when he was cheated, he was like, no, obviously, I'm not going to pay him. He cheated. But when he cheats to beat Lando, Lando's like, you know what? You did it fair and square. Another fun fact about that scene, you know the ship that Han claims to be gambling with, the VCX-100? You know what ship that is? Is that the ghost? It is. That's the ghost. Hey. So. Yeah. That's fun. Interesting. But anyway, that's that's a little yeah, forceful so, thought. Uh, Just think yeah, about that. That does it for us Pretty this week. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Let us know what you think about the nuances between practical and digital effects. And we'll see you next time. See you, Sammy. See you, Sammy.